Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right, live from Coolidge, Arizona on January the 12th, 2020. Good morning, folks. And we're in um, <clears throat> chapter 20, and we'll start with verse 17. But first of all, remember remember uh, Eutychus? What, what do we know Eutychus for? Falling out of the window. All right, falling out of the second or third window. Being brought up dead, and, but not really. But maybe not really, but at least it's an option. And, um, and then we move into 17, verse 17. Now, folks, this whole chapter, and, of course, all the way through, we have a lot of characters introduced into the, into the text. You can remember all of them. You have lots of options as to which one you want to copy. Copy the best of each. Now we're in verse 17. And Miletus, after from Miletus, which is 30 miles away from Ephesus, about, uh, he sent down there for the elders of the church. And he had a lot of emotional things to tell them. And that they had wept together and prayed together. <clears throat> In verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are two comprehensive things. Is the alignment to get into God's thinking, and secondly, toward toward and faith toward the accumulation of a believing of what God has said about things we cannot see. Now, folks, that is so critical. In, into, not toward. Moving into it, yeah, the transition. Yeah. I, I thought I picked up on that. Uh, yeah, in, into God <clears throat> and the repentance, metanoian. And faith into the Lord. That means toward, I'm going toward San Jose or toward Sacramento. Have I arrived? No. No, but I'm on my way. And so into is really getting into a change of state word. Um. Whoever made that point made a good point there. And verse 24, 
<clears throat> and none, but none of these things move me. Here's where I want you to focus to plug in this morning. But none of these things move me. All the things that I've been gone through, all of the tribulations, all the trials, all the trouble, all the joys, none of these things were a determining factor. Why? Because I don't count my life dear unto myself. It isn't that he didn't take life serious, but it wasn't serious to him. What's the difference between that? Taking, you know, you can have life. I don't take myself serious. You can say anything about me you want. And once in a while you'll hit on what's true. Oh, no, I'm not kidding. You really will. If you talk about something bad, you're hitting something true. Um, But... But I take my but I take my life as far as what I believe and live by very serious. <clears throat> and Paul is saying that even though I value life in some ways, I don't take and hold my life to myself dearly. <clears throat> it's a great right way to live. Why? That I might finish my course with joy. All the troubles come through. Um, I might finish my course. I'm looking for that word finish here. Uh, I think I think it comes from the word to tell us die. I might complete my course. I might complete my payments. And this is an interesting word. Jesus said on the cross, remember? Um, he said, it is finished. And that word finish comes from the word tetelestai, the same as this has the source of the word here. And it's a banking term, and it means to pay your bill in full. I've made all the payments. No more payments due. So he's talking here about a condition between, in Jesus anyway, is talking about payments due, uh, cumulative payments, and on the other hand, when that debt has been paid, there are no more payments. If you had to make a payment, then you haven't made it, you haven't paid it off in full. Jesus paid it in full, no payments. Well, I thought I'd get a tomato on that. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with you folks. Just don't know. Is that the same uh, word that Jesus used? It is finished. Yeah, it is finished. It's just telestai. It comes from the word to telestai. This is a little different form because it's in a different position in the sentence. It's a, but both are banking terms. And as a stamp that came down on, down said paid in full. Now he says, I want to pay my I want to pay the course, my mission in full. And the reason that I don't count my own life dear is it is a prohibition of me finishing my course with joy. If I had to carry that burden and the burden of my life and the burden of joy at the same time, I couldn't do it. 
And I have received of the Lord Jesus, which I have received, the, the mission he had received from the Lord, uh, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, who is he talking to now? The elders. The elders of the church in Ephesus. They have come to him in, in verse 17. He wants them to know that I, I've completed the course. I am free from the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare to all a partial counsel of God. The thing that's attractive to you, I have preached to you. No, that isn't how he approaches that, is it? I've, I've completed the full counsel. Everything that comes from God, I have told you about it. Now, verse 28 is probably the most critical. All verses are important. But verse 28 is a critical verse, a very critical verse. Take heed, heed, therefore, take care unto yourselves and to all the flock, you yourself first and then to the flock second, over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I want you to think about that verse with me for a while. He hath made made us overseers. He's telling to Paul, I mean, Paul is telling the elders of the church, you've been made overseers. Those are bishops. The word, the word is a bishopric, meaning bishop. And the bishop is not over several churches. He's over one church. Episcopos is the word for bishop. <clears throat> and uh, he said, you've been made bishops. All of you over one congregation. And that's critical to know in our time. Pastors. Is there really such a thing as a pastor? Well, there is. But who is a pastor in the church today? Well, it's an equivalent term to the word bishop. Pastors, elders, and bishops all are the same office, and they're all over the local congregation, and they all meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy and Titus. Enough said on that. So that's how they become bishops, or they could be called they could be called pastors. Always plural. It couldn't be otherwise. It couldn't be singular. Why? Now I think about it for a while. Why could not those offices be singular? Because then it would force singularity. If elders have to be plural, then if it said child, there could only be what? One. No, that isn't how the, the scriptures are reasonable and practical. And they were appointed to feed the church. 
Now, in Greg's case, he was made a bishop overseer as a professional overlooker of what everybody else didn't do and then pick up on it. Now, the last phrase there in verse 28, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And that's a critical question because I have a a little message out on... um, Christ did not die for you. He died for what? He died for the church. He died for no singularity, no no singular person. Died for the church. Here, he purchased not you, but what did he purchase with his blood? Okay, purchased with his own blood. He's talking about the church of God here. The church of God and the church of Christ are the same. For I know that this, after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you. They got that right, among you. Not in you, but among you. And most of the places where it says in you should be among you, Christ dwells among us, not in us. We know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. I don't know whether he's speaking to the elders directly or to the congregation in Ephesus. As a whole, we, we don't know that, I don't think, by the context here. But they're going to speak perverse things right out of, Ephi, uh, out, out of the book of uh, Ephesians or out of Ephesus will come perverted ideas. Now, what do we have to do about that? Well, verse 31 says, Therefore watch and remember that I have ceased not to warn, warn, Hi, Mary. I've not acknowledged you this morning. Sorry about that. Not much, but a little bit. (laughs) All right. Uh, Watch. By the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day. So how long was Paul effectively ministering to the church at Ephesus? About three years. Who Who followed him? in a very unique, special role as an evangelist? Would the, would the book of First Timothy give you a clue? So there's a lot of warning that goes on in the church. And Paul, with these people, which would he be his last message, I have ceased not to warn you, everyone, day and night, with tears. That means serious stuff. Serious talking about how critical it is to stay in tune with what's right. 
and that we use we we reach toward consistency. Everyone night and day with tears. He really took these matters serious, and it kind of wore wore off a little bit as time went on. I went to Ephesus, and there's no residual of that left that I knew. Verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to keep you. Notice two things about the word here. It is able to give you, it is able to give you, it is able to give you an inheritance. What is able to give us an inheritance? The Word. All right, the Word is able to give us an inheritance. I don't know anything about heaven. Anything that we think is talking about heaven's place in our future, we know nothing about it. We don't know whether we will know anybody up there or we don't know whether we won't. We simply don't really know anything about heaven except that Christ is there and it's the inheritance of the saints and that we're going to share in that inheritance among all of those who have been sanctified. But we don't know it. How could God possibly explain to us who are in finiteness about things that are eternal in a language that we could understand. How could God do that? It's not possible for, for God to do that. That's one of the in things that God cannot do. He cannot tell us what is outside of our time zone. Can't explain that to us. We don't under, understand the eternality of our universe. Can we? It's what he what he will not do because to explain we would then have to understand and we can't understand and he will not do that he will not put us in that position of of uh, he would violate uh, beyond our you know, time and finiteness and he doesn't want us we we uh, he has not prepared us for that he has designed us to be finite beings limited in what we know and can hear. And understand, folks, we got to remember that we are all finite. And we do not understand, by God's design, the infinite. I have not a clue. You can't give me a verse of scripture, I don't think. <laughs> I always say that, and somebody always proves me wrong. I love it when somebody does that. And charge you extra for that. David, I heard... Uh Someone said on the radio the other day, I don't know if the number is accurate, but uh, we haven't explored 80% of the world's oceans yet. Of the world's oceans. Was oh, that true? So we don't even know our own planet no. with the kind of depth that we need to, no. uh, or, or, or uh, maybe to assert some kind of a standard of excellence. 20%, if you get 20% on the test, you're going to fail. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know those numbers, but that uh, they may or may not be accurate, but it's, a, it's an idea. Mary? I just want to share that the image of a balloon came to me 
when it's empty, it's just nothing. It's a tiny little thing. But when it's filled with breath, it fills to its capacity. But you can't go beyond that capacity because then what happens? It blows up. It's gone. Right. So there's a capacity. My balloon did that years ago. <laughs> so, I when you were talking about that yeah. we're finite, we have a capacity. We have a capacity, a limited but, capacity. Right. Now, except for Merwin, <laughs> there's an exception. <laughs> the other thing, David, is if God unilaterally made us understand that, he would have eliminated the situation of faith that he created. Excellent. You know. because yeah, and, right, right. Yeah. The whole objective of the Bible from Genesis 12:3 all the way through, the theme of the Bible is, reaching that object of faith. And we have all the patriarchs, all of the Jewish nation, all moving us toward the situation of faith that we live in today. So we can't know anything for certain. We don't even know that God exists for certain. No, not until we see. That's right. David, isn't it even more amazing that we're capable of understanding that we don't understand everything? And that is... That isn't an accident. That can't be an accident. Good point. That's true. That the capability to still believe, based on the word, still believe. We can still have faith in what God had said about things we cannot see. David, like your, it's like your lessons and your sermons on living a perfect life. Who says it's not possible? I don't know if you remember those. I'm sure you do. But I remember, why limit yourself? Yeah. So we, shouldn't we always be striving as well? Just as a statement of reminder on that, um, we can be perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's uh, Matthew 5:47, I think. And you know what? We can be perfect, and you are perfect. I have a perfect cup of water. It means to fill the desire or the purpose for which you were created. Neil was created for a purpose. Uh, we all have a human purpose, and we can fulfill that purpose, and we are perfect therein as we do so. I'm not sure I stated that all right. But he's able, to, he's able to give you an inheritance. Folks, we haven't latched on to that inheritance. But isn't that the objective of the Bible and the situation of faith? Is that that brings us into the way and from the way to the inheritance of the saints? All the people who come into heaven have come the same way. We may go. We may have been different on different routes. <clears throat> so we have to remember that He commends us to God to the Word of His grace, and that Word is able to give you an inheritance among 
the saints. All of those who are sanctified. Those who are sanctified are those who have a special known objective. And he's able to give us an equal inheritance in verse 32. Now, I don't know, but I think that that's enough. We'll, we'll go on today. But we don't dwell on our inheritance. Now, I think the rest of this chapter is too poor, I mean, too sad to talk much about. And we've already covered a lot of chapter 21. But I, I, I want to reemphasize Eutychus, the Ming with the elders. And he told them that he's made you overseers, you've been made overseers to feed that congregation, to feed and nourish, to pick up the slack in one, one another's life, in things that are real. And it's the church which he has purchased with his own blood. We need to get that straight, that he has not died for you. He has died for the, for the individual. By the way, a lesson in hermeneutics, real quick. Won't charge you extra. Uh, yesterday morning I was called. How do you correlate 1 Corinthians, uh, I hope I'm right here, 1 Corinthians 13, with First Peter, and I don't know what context in First Peter uh, Neil might know it was, but he said here it says that faith, hope, and love, and that love is superior. But he said when I get over to Peter, I find that he's got that mixed up. He's got love, or um, he's got other things that are critical. I said, well, see, there's your, there, there's your problem. You're comparing two texts. There are no texts that are equal to each other. And 1 Corinthians is talking not about what Peter is talking about. I forget what Peter was talking about. <laughs> but uh, he, they're not talking about the same thing, so you can't use your Bible references, cross-references, throw them out, get rid of them. Because you can't. there are no two places that are alike anywhere in the Scriptures. Now, the same words are used. Diff totally different audiences, too. And it comes different audience. Oh, that's a good point. But in, in 1 Corinthians 13, when he talks about love, uh, uh, hope, faith, and love, mm -hmm. faith is temporary. Hope comes to an end when? Outside of faith, yeah. Well, whenever it comes to an end, whenever you've reached the object mm -hmm. of that hope. It comes, it's not hope anymore if you've already got there. Faith is no longer faith if you're already to its destination. So faith and hope are temporary, and he's comparing the longevity of these three words in that context. He's talking about, he's talking about spiritual gifts and how permanent one thing is over the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts have a time frame, a time limit. Faith and hope have time limits. But the more excellent way is the way of love because it continues forever. He says, focus on the things that last forever. I said, Peter isn't dealing with that subject at all. He doesn't have to deal with it. He's talking to a different audience. So don't get that mixed up. What? 
in, in a different part of the world. And, is, and that's another thing, a different part of the world having to face entirely different things. <clears throat> now, uh, I'll go ahead and read verse 23, and we'll finish this chapter up today. 33. Right? 30, what did I say? 33? Yeah. Uh, 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. And we know that from his history that there were times when he was not being supported and he has uh, not tapped into the funds that were designed for the church in Jerusalem, which is where he's headed. I have, in verse 33, I, I have coveted no man's. That means. You know what the word covet means? What? Several definitions. Desire, uh, want. Well, that's kind of far enough. It's it's, It's when you desire not for things, but something that somebody else has, then it becomes a coveting factor. When you desire for your use what, some, what, what is in the possession of somebody else, see the difference there? I have not coveted what has belonged to others. That's what built into this word covet, covet, uh, coveted. I have coveted no man's silver or gold. It doesn't mean that he didn't have to have some. He didn't have to have silver. But he didn't cover it at the expense, somebody else's expense. So who's more apt to be covetous, the poor or the rich? The poor, in case you aren't thinking in terms of the way I'm thinking here. Um... The rich have an office, or they have a purpose, they have a product, they have a skill that they're marketing. And in, there's an exchange, and you can barter one way or the other. The other category, they want something for nothing. Or something that belongs to somebody else, at somebody else's expense, they want for their benefit. That's wrong. That's why the poor have to deal with this idea of covetousness more than anybody else. Verse 35. I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And that you ought to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to receive than to give. <laughs> I'll buy that. Particularly at Christmas time. Yeah. Is that the word blessed? Is that the one happy? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Here. I let's, think so. Let's check and see. Yeah. Um, No, it's the word. Uh, it's the word contented. Yeah. Marcordius rather than eulogy. Right. Eulogy means just a matter of speech, right. which we use so often in, in English, which is, 
you know, we bless one another uh, by how we talked about them. I wish they'd use the proper English word there because we don't know what bless means typically. Um, unless we look at it. There's more contentment, he says, in giving than in receiving. Yep. Some folks have learned that. Some folks will never learn that. But that's what he said. And that comes through the apostles. This is what the Lord said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He's not talking there about the support of the church. He's talking about what? Meeting people's needs uh, when they're in a case when they cannot meet their own needs. He's not, he's not advocating uh, uh, slovenness or uh, uh, laziness. He's talking about a general principle. It's just more, there's more contentment, more blessedness. This word meaning, Neil says, uh, is the word for contentment. It's, there's just more contentment in giving than in receiving. And verse 36, and when he had said that, he kneeled down, and when Paul had said that, he kneeled down uh, and prayed with them all. And this is the word meaning that somehow they had built into this prayer a sense of seriousness, a sense of remaining faithful, and a sense of commitment because the word is vow-taking, the word for prayer here. It, it, is, it isn't always bad, but in this case it is. It's the word prosuke. <clears throat> And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Now, these are sad words. For three years, Paul had been with these people, had taught them most of what they had known. And... um, so when he when he told them that you know I'm I'm just you're just not going to see me anymore, no more. They all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, knowing, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they would see his face no more. Be not long and no longer face to face. And they accompanied accompany accompanied him unto the ship. He was going to sail away from them, sail, sail out of their lives. Now, folks, when, when we don't have that kind of sensitivity or that closeness, which we don't have today, generally speaking, we don't have that sense of closeness that generates those kind of emotions. We are all just a little reserved, aren't we? Paul and these people simply 
Let it all out. Here. Sorrowing most of all. For the words which he spake, that they would see his face no more. How can you read that? I think in this, in this chapter alone, we've had Eutychus. If you've befriended Eutychus, you have a feel for when he fell out of the window. He had, he'd had, had had all of the preaching he could take for that day. <laughs> <laughs> and he fell out the window. Paul revived him for more preaching. And he continued and went back until the early morning hours. And by the way, the early morning here is really late. You know, it gets dark so, I mean, light so late in the day. Uh, <clears throat> but just imagine... We are introduced to Eutychus. Why did we have his name? You can answer that question. Why did we have that encounter between Paul and Eutychus? And between Paul and the people? And between Eutychus and the people? Folks, it's so that we get a feel for those people. We can't get it just slamming over it. I passed a lot of folks in the store yesterday. And you know, I don't remember one thing about them. There's probably half of them dead today and I wouldn't have I wouldn't care I couldn't care less. I don't know anything about them. Isn't that how we come to most of the people in the Bible? We just slide over them and we never pause and get a stop like Apollos and Paul other writers even but uh, other people involved in the in throughout the book of history through the book of uh, acts but paul of course we have lots of encounters with paul <clears throat> and so but paul had an intensity toward these people think of all the events that he'd been through at ephesus and this and the three churches of um Macedonia. What were the three churches? I gave them to you last week. Do you remember? Who can name number one? The churches of Macedonia. Three. Philippi. Philippi. And what do we know about the church at Philippi? Just one thing. Did everything go smooth there? No. No. Leaders were thrown into prison. Second city. Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki. Same thing is true. And uh, thirdly, we have Berea. What do you can think about Berea? I think that's in chapter 17 of Acts. They were more noble. They were more noble than those at Thessaloniki because of what reason? Because of their, their tithing. They confirmed Paul's word with the scriptures. It's, yeah, they, they were confirmers of the word. And that would include that. Yes. So those are the things that we have in Acts 20. We begin with verse 21, of chapter 21. 
And, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time in the first few verses, but it's travel. You can read those in any commentary. But what I'm trying to help you to see is to get a feel for these people, a feel for relationships that endure through the learning process. We all have, we all come from different perspectives. We all have different things to learn. We all have different attitudes, different objectives, every one of us. So there's a lot to learn from one another. I like this word in verse 6 of chapter 21. Well, let's go back to verse 25. We've got just a minute. We'll, we'll quit here real soon. But I forget what verse 21 has something to do. <clears throat> oh, let's see. Verse... Um, Verse 5. Verse 5. And when we had accomplished those days. And that, of course, includes the first five verses. We departed and went our way, and they brought, and they brought us on our way with wives and children. Till we were out of the city, and we all kneeled down on the shore and prosecuted. You know, they they made agreements, they made commitments, but the wives and the children. I love that phrase. <clears throat> with the wives and the children. You should know the children by name. Neil, I don't or uh, Nolan, I don't know how you do it in your class, because one week you have two, next week you have, what, 10 or 12. Way, you know, it's way out of balance for you. That's hard to handle. I don't know how you do it. But they should be touched with these people, these characters of the Bible to the point where they're the wives and the children go with mom and dad out to see somebody off. And verse 6, And when we had taken our leave one of another, and that word leave, can you think about that word? That's a that's a word that has a lot of lot of depth to it. But they took their leave one of another. That means that they they there was some bond. Some bond between them all. I don't know what it was, we don't know. But they had established a bond. So that when somebody was leaving the bond, it touched their heart. When we had finished our course from Tyre, 
we came to Potomus uh, uh, and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And then we have, you know, give and take there, and we'll, we'll plug into that next week. But try to gather <clears throat> the feeling of this text. And all of the texts of the Bible are to bring us into touch with people that create some kind of an emotional response with them and a tie with them, a bond with them. Even the children and the wives, be in touch with people and let, it, let, and let, let care take over. And, and see, there's more, than, there's more than what goes on in the assembly. Most of what all of the authors, and there are some exceptions, but most of the authors are all talking about a way of life, not about things that you do in the assembly. Right. Now, there are some exceptions. David, that word leave there, that's the King James, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's different than the word goodbye. Oh, goodbye is just a, gre- a farewell, a greeting that you would make to anyone, but taking leave is is a matter of not only courtesy but uh, a real emotional situation between the people leaving. Uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, when they leave, when someone goes, they take leave, or they don't take leave. Or they don't. Don't take, take leave is an insult. Well, when they take leave of their host. Uh, that's a different sort of emotional good conduct. Did you find that word up there? According to Strong's, it's only used once, and the one time is right here. It's to take leave of, and it's a farewell, but it it brings it more into harmony with what Neil is saying, that it is kind of a, a serious separation. Really a, an emotional, moving experience to take leave. Right. You know, at a funeral service, we don't, we don't say, go bury Neil. We say, bury his body. You ever think about that? After a person is dead, they're never, they're not known any after that time after their name is their body. I'll show you, and I'm not sure I've got it here. No. Oh, maybe you do. <clears throat> people don't hear, hear uh, people don't say, uh, bring the body we, uh, we use phrases like, uh, as soon as you die, your identity becomes a body. People use phrases like, bring the body, lower the body in the grave. Take the body to the graveyard. People don't even call you by your name when you need to impress, uh, to impress something, whole life. Live a life to impress the creator, not the creation is the conclusion of the statement. I like that. I just got that. 
<clears throat> that was two weeks ago when everybody thought I was dying. <laughs> they wanted to disengage me from my name, <laughs> whatever it was, and referred to, referred to me as a body. <laughs> Probably need to get your permission first, though. Yeah, we ought to get my permission first. Anyway, you know, so my to sum up this lesson today in... Uh, Eutychus, and then the time with Paul, and he'd been with these people for three years, and he's giving himself leave of these people, going to the ship, as he did in chapter 21. All of these things um, present to us a very profound, intense, close relationship. Folks, don't forget, that's involved in the text. And the people all said, Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.